Merry Christmas and welcome to the podcast Life with Jerry Williams. I hope you're listening to this during the Christmas season. Well, I, uh, actually, no, I hope you're listening to it in the middle of summertime. It, it'll be refreshing for you because these podcast episodes, they last forever. They're always up there on the internet. Once it's on the internet, buddy, it's on the internet. But this is coming out on Monday, the 14th of December, 2020. So just a little over two weeks away from Christmas. And this is the third in a series of four episodes that deal specifically with some of the things that we do around Christmas, some of the characters associated with the Christmas story, some of the traditions that we observe at Christmas time. In this episode, I'm going to take a look at the role of Mary, the mother of Jesus, in the original Christmas story and her place in the life of the church today, plus the story behind another Christmas tradition, and we'll also take a look at the symmetry in the Christmas story. All of that coming up on this episode of Life with Jerry Williams. One of my favorite parts of the Christmas season is the traditions that we observe. When I was growing up, our family always had an Advent calendar. Now, Advent is the four-week period beginning on the fourth Sunday before Christmas, which happens to be the closest to St. Andrew's Day, which is observed on November 30th each year. Since the date of that Sunday varies from year to year, most commercially available Advent calendars simply begin on December 1st and run through December 24th. And it's a cool kind of way of counting down the days until Christmas. And if you've never seen an Advent calendar, they're usually little pieces of cardboard with some kind of a picture on the front and little doors in strategic places around that picture on the front of the calendar that you open up. And they're each numbered with a date, one through whatever. And, and you open it up and it reveals a picture behind it. Some of them have chocolate candy behind the door. And growing up as a kid, there were five of us in the family, my dad and my mom and me and my brother and my sister. And we would always draw numbers, one through five, to see who got to open the advent calendar first. And of course, the person who got five got ripped off of that last one because the advent calendars only go through the 24th. So they would only get to do four doors instead of five. But we'd all try and guess what was behind the door. That kind of made it fun and, and added to the tradition for us. Uh, but whoever opened the door, they got that piece of chocolate. Well, the first known advent calendar was made back in 1851. Prior to then, families would mark the days of advent with a chalk line or by lighting candles. Gerhard Lang is often cited as the first person to produce a printed advent calendar, probably around 1904. Around that same time, a German newspaper included an advent calendar as an insert as a gift to readers. Well, Lang was inspired by a creation of his mother. She'd made an advent calendar for him when he was just a boy, attaching a picture to a piece of cardboard for each day leading up to Christmas. And Lang added little doors with the dates printed on them, and to reveal each day's picture, the door would have to be opened. Lang's calendars became a commercial success. They spread across much of Europe. The production was halted during World War II due to a cardboard shortage. After the war, President Dwight Eisenhower was photographed with his grandchildren opening the doors of an advent calendar. The photo was featured in a number of national newspapers, and the advent calendar became a staple in America. Uh, many advent calendars now do contain chocolate behind each door or a little toy. The most expensive advent calendars ever produced 
were offered by Harrods in 2007. Each one was made of burr elm and walnut wood and had a piece of organic chocolate from green and black behind each door. The four-foot calendar sold $50,000 a piece with proceeds benefiting cocoa farmers in Belize. The largest advent calendar, according to the Guinness Book World Records, was made in 2007 for the reopening of the St. Pancras train station in London. It was almost 230 feet tall and just over 75 feet wide. And since 2008, the Atlantic has posted on their website the Hubble Space Telescope Advent Calendar online, featuring a, a different photo from the telescope each day. And that is a little bit of the background behind our tradition of the Advent Calendar. There is something about Mary. Mary, the mother of Jesus. She's one of the most interesting figures, not just in the Christmas story, but in all of history. And yet, those on the Protestant side of Christianity, I think, have some difficulty in according her the respect she deserves. I don't know, maybe it's all those halos in Roman Catholic art or, or the Hail Marys, but the Roman tradition of placing Mary just a half step below divine, really, it's no reason to not hold Mary up as an example of faith, faithfulness, and obedience. When we're first introduced to Mary in the Bible, in Luke chapter 1, she's visited by the angel Gabriel, who calls her favored, and says that the young girl has found favor with God. Gabriel then goes on to explain God's plan for Mary, to give birth to the Savior. Even though she's a virgin, Mary's reaction is, may it be done to me according to your word. That is faith and obedience. We see in Mary a thoughtful woman, always aware of God's claim on her life. And though we don't know for sure how old Mary was, I've heard estimates that she was as young as 13. She was indeed a young woman when she became pregnant with Jesus and gave birth to him. Throughout the few references to her in Scripture, she's portrayed as hiding and pondering things in her heart. She was one of the few who stood beside Jesus right through the crucifixion. Okay, yeah, she was, after all, his mom. But still, that act, sitting at the foot of the cross, was a demonstration of incredible bravery and faithfulness, no matter her relationship to Jesus. And she was among those few who went to Jesus' tomb on the morning of the resurrection. There's only one scriptural reference to Mary outside of the Gospels. It's a single verse in Acts, Acts chapter 1, verse 14. So while we know a little bit more about Mary than we do about her husband, Joseph, the references are few. But they are enough to give us a picture of an obedient servant of God, a loving and faithful mother, and an example that we can follow not only at Christmas time, but throughout the year. No matter where we are, on which side of the Reformation we stand, Mary is a figure who deserves honor. I find an amazing symmetry in the Bible. 
And one of my favorite examples is how the author of Genesis and the Apostle John each begin their respective accounts with the phrase, in the beginning. It's a good place to start, the beginning. And each writer jumps right in to deal with a theme that has fascinated mankind since the beginning. Light and dark, good and evil, life and death. That theme has been at the core of some of our finest works of fiction, from the earliest stories told around campfires to today's multi-million dollar special effects laden blockbuster movies. And it's a theme we each deal with in our own lives. The choice between light and dark and good and evil. The author of Genesis hints at an outcome, God calling the light good and separating the light from the darkness. John's foreshadowing is a little heavier handed. The light springs from the life that resides in the word. And later in the account, John equates the light with the word. In verse 5, John gives us a pretty big hint as to how this whole light versus dark thing is going to end. The darkness did not comprehend the light. Now, the Greek word translated here as comprehend is katalambana, and I have probably pronounced that terribly. It can mean both understand and overpower or seize or master. In these few verses, we have the setting for the ultimate story of light and dark, good and evil, and we get an inkling of how it will be resolved. The light will not be understood or overtaken by the dark. And so we see that the Christmas story at its core is a story of good versus evil and our own need for the life we can find only in that light. Thank you again for allowing me to be a part of your day today. This was the third of our four episodes that deal with different aspects of the Christmas story. It, it, it came out on the 14th of December, on a Monday, the 14th of December, 2020. That means the next episode, which comes out on the 21st, will be our final episode in this little mini Christmas series. And that will come out on Christmas week. I can't believe that it's almost Christmas. We're going to take a look at another uh, fictional character, in next week's episode of Life with Jerry Williams, the podcast. Uh, again, thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope that you will subscribe to the podcast. And if where you listen to podcasts allows you to uh, put a review, oh, that would be great. Uh, maybe a rating, five stars would be tremendous. Thank you very much. And that will also help other people find the podcast. Again, thank you so much for uh, allowing me to hang out with you here for a little bit. And we'll see you on the next episode of Life with Jerry Williams.